Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. I'm Broadway Video's Matt Tiamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, you and I both went and saw shows on Wednesday night. We will talk about them at the end of the episode. You saw the invited dress for New York City Center Encore's production of Jelly's Last Jam. I saw the national tour of Moulin Rouge, the musical at the Dr. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts. We will talk about both of those things at the end of the episode. I feel like our opinions of the shows we saw are quite different. So we will get into who liked or didn't like what they saw towards the end of this episode. But if you want to hear all of our thoughts on everything that we see, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. I am setting up an interview with an old friend who's been here on Broadway Radio before to talk about a thing that I love almost more than anything else in the world. And it will be specifically on Patreon, but we will be talking all things Hallmark movies. So get ready for that. If you want to hear that before the end of this month, head over to Patreon and sign up at the mezzanine tier or above. All right, Grace, let's get into the news. And I feel like somebody over at Lincoln Center Theater has a sense of humor because yesterday it was announced that almost everybody from the original Broadway cast of Vanya and Sonia and Masha and Spike will be reuniting for a one night only gala benefit reading. And it just so happens that it will take place at the Vivian Beaumont Theater, presumably on the set of Uncle Vanya. And this, of course, was a play written by Christopher Durang that takes a bunch of the characters and tropes and ideas of Anton Chekhov's plays, many of them, including Uncle Vanya, and puts them into a hilarious comedy. And now it's going to be taking place on the set of Uncle Vanya itself. Sigourney Weaver, David Hyde Pierce, Christine Nielsen, Shalita Grant, and Genevieve Angelson will all reprise their roles from the Tony-winning play. David Hall will be stepping in for Billy Magnuson, who is not going to be able to be there. Bart Shear, who of course works a lot with Lincoln Center Theater, will direct. He is picking up from the original director, Nicholas Martin, who has since passed away. Uh, It'll take place on May 7th. Grace, I have never seen this show. I've always wanted to see it. I've just never had an opportunity. But I think like this is kind of just a perfect, silly, goofy idea to bring the original cast of this show onto the Lincoln Center stage where an actual checkoff show is going to be taking place that same time. It sure is wild, but you know what? It's 2024 and people are just deciding to do stuff like this. And I really love it. Um, I think that anytime you can gather a cast together, it's great. But also I agree with you. The checkout of it all is kind of cuckoo. And I think it's worth noting. And I hope that somebody does some kind of collaboration. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Grace, moving on. We already know that Appropriate is going to be leaving the Helen Hayes Theater and moving over to the Belasco Theater at the end of March. When it does, we know that Elle Fanning, who was originally in the cast for the second stage run, will not be able to continue. Yesterday, they announced who would be replacing her. It was not Elle's sister, Dakota, as you and I talked about how much fun that would be. However, it is somebody from another famous Hollywood family. And Ella Beatty, who is currently starring in Feud, Capote versus the Swans, will take over the role of River when it begins performances on March 25th at the Belasco. It is currently scheduled to run there through June 23rd. Grace, we know your love for the Truman Capote of it all. Have you started watching Feud? Um, Have you gotten into this one yet? I know you've been pretty busy, but... 
No, of course. I'm I'm fully up to date. Like I watch it every single Wednesday night on FX. <laughs> so I have watched it. Oh, okay, good. If you are unfamiliar with Ella Beatty, she is, you can probably guess, the daughter of Warren Beatty and Annette Benning. Feud was really the, the first big thing of her career. She is still pretty young and actually about the same age that River is. So that's a, a good casting in that regard. But it also helps to have very famous parents to get your foot in the door. All right, Grace, this might be your chance because we talked about how much you wanted to see O'Mary off-Broadway, and I talked yesterday about the potential for it to come to Broadway and how much I think it could come to Broadway. Well, it will not be happening this season, as I thought they could but probably shouldn't, because the Cola Scola written and led play has announced that it will extend off-Broadway the Lucille Lortel Theater through May 5th. The show was originally scheduled to close on March 24th is now extending all the way into May. That means it will have basically a a three, three and a half month run off Broadway. Tickets are on sale now. I really hope that this means that it will eventually come to Broadway, whether that is this summer or in this in the fall. I would, you know, just my mind thinks, Grace, that it would make more sense to get as much of a, of a bump out of that momentum as possible and bring it in sooner rather than later, but at least make an announcement before it closes or soon after it closes off Broadway that it's going to be making the transfer because this is a show that I think actually would do really, really well on Broadway if it finds the right house and they're able to market it and, and ride the coattails of this off-Broadway run. So yeah, check it out. I, have you started looking at tickets yet? Yes, of course I have. Of course I have. And all my friends are trying to figure out. And the only time that they can all go is the weekend of April 20th. Do you know what happens on April 20th? I'll tell you, Matt. I opened the Heart of Rock and Roll, The Wiz, Cabaret, Hell's Kitchen, every damn show <laughs> under the sun. And I was like, I can't do that that weekend. So I hope that I get to see it. The fact that they've extended it is amazing. I don't know if I agree with you, having totally not seen it, that it should transfer because I think that the thing about the show that is currently working is that it's a downtown darling. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that things like that, things like Titanic that have such a perfectly West village fan base, like there's a reason that they can pack it out. Um, I just get scared when we kind of like overblow something that is more niche that it kind of like wah wah, but who knows? I could be totally wrong and I probably am and I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I said that I, just in passing on yesterday's show that like I, I don't think that anything that has success off Broadway or even downtown needs to come to Broadway. But I did not find this one to be especially niche. Like I thought it was, you know, it was maybe a little bit beyond the type of humor that you would normally see on Broadway. But I didn't think that it was too crazy or too off the wall or too out of bounds for a Broadway audience. Like I thought it felt very much like it could be a Broadway show, but I also think that the, the excitement for it certainly would help it do well. And uh, that's why I think if you're going to do it, it should keep that buzz, but we will have to wait and see. I think that this is certainly the beginning of a great trajectory for this show, whether it is this production making a transfer or not, or maybe there being a Los Angeles run or it being done regionally, because I think that this show is perfect for companies all across the country that want to push the uh, boundaries a little bit beyond some of the traditional plays and farces that they get. So uh, looking forward to seeing whatever happens with O'Mary, whether that's in New York or around the country. All right, Grace, we've talked about this a little bit before, but IATSE, which is the union that represents 
all of the backstage workers for theater and all of that stuff, carpentry, electricians, scenic design, props, audio, video, all of that stuff. We know that they have been trying to make moves to bring more off-Broadway theater companies under the IATSE umbrella. We know that Titanic's stagehands had officially joined IATSE last week. We also now know that the Atlantic Theater Company's crew has unionized and joined IATSE, which is huge because Titanic had, I think, five or six stagehands. But the Atlantic Theater Company has 178. 73% of them voted to join IATSE. And this could have a huge impact on how off-Broadway theaters work. IATSE is trying to organize more of the stagehands across different off-Broadway theaters. And this means that they are now able to collectively bargain, to improve working conditions, raise salaries, benefits, all of those things. You know, it's a thing where off-Broadway is already pretty expensive, especially because they are all not-for-profit, so they depend on the whims of rich people to give them money. So all of these extra benefits that come with unionization will undoubtedly raise production costs, but I think that also could maybe force off-Broadway theater companies to kind of look at their business model and reinvestigate whether or not the way that things are done is the best way to do it. I know it's it's been done for a long time, Grace, but I just feel like when you are admitting that the tickets that you are selling are only paying for half of your operating budget, maybe we need to come up with a better model because that doesn't seem like it's very sustainable, especially when it kind of ebbs and flows to the whims of the markets and the economy. This is the never ending story. It's it's what are the available you know opportunities and what are the costs associated and how is everybody actually getting paid out this is this will never end you know the arts and arts institutions and theaters will always have this debate nobody is ever going to have the right answer we have to try everything and yeah you're right but also there's like so many factors that are going into that and how are we able to make as many people happy as possible because someone's always going to get left out and someone's always not going to get paid um and are those people the same people all the time I hope not, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right, Grace. Well, let's move on to something that I feel like you and I might have to figure out how to go see. But yesterday it was announced that the professional wrestling musical, The Last Match, is going to go on a little bit of a mini tour. It will start in April, where it will run for a couple weeks in Rochester. Then it's going to go to a bunch of different places, mostly on the eastern seaboard, before going all the way down and ending in Atlanta. But they do have one New York City area performance during a time that I might be there Anyway, they're going to be playing in Jamaica, Queens on May 10th. You might remember that during a concert production of this, Ramin Karamloo and Amber Ardolino uh, led the cast. There is no information on who is going to be a part of this production, but it does blend musical theater with actual professional wrestling. And uh, Grace, you've talked about how you and your partner have gotten back into pro wrestling lately, so might as well, right? No, I just need F in the show. Like we have our personas. Like this is not like we need to just F be has a, part a job. Of it. Like I want to. F has I a job. Support it. Yeah, but for now, okay. Like let them <laughs> let them all be booked and blessed. But like, let's be frank. Like new opportunities should arise. So I agree with you. This is really exciting. If you are not watching the road to WrestleMania, you need to be um, WWE Raw, obviously on Monday nights. But yeah, this is um, this is really fun. I've been watching this show for a while. Um, and as far as like its social output. So I'm curious to see more. Okay, so 
if you were to get into the squared circle, Grace, what would your wrestling persona and moniker be? I don't think that I have it yet. Like as, as far as my name, um, I don't have my name. Um, it just has to be too cool and I'm never going to decide on it. But I think that she's like very poppy and then also kind of crazy. Uh, like I think it's like Glenda on steroids, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's, it's like, wow, she's so much. And yet, wow, she really has a good heart, but she wants to, to kick my butt. Okay, there's been some folks like that. There's been some women uh, like that for a while. Um, so I think you could do that. I, I'm going to reveal something that I don't believe I've ever revealed here on Broadway Radio before. When I was in high school, this was at the height of the Attitude Era for the WWE, Degeneration X, the NWO was very big at this time. We had a high school cable show. And part of that, we did professional wrestling generally in our backyards. My character was a demented clown named Justin Sane. So I don't know that I have any pictures of this. I, I, uh, I, it's very true. I have a picture uh, in my office here. Uh, this is not in my Justin Sane costume, but I do have a picture of me vertical suplexing one of my friends, just carrying him over my head. So I love a good professional wrestling. I have VHS tapes of it, actually, I think. But uh, if anyone has a VCR, maybe we can watch them together sometime. But Big pro wrestling vibes back in my day. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, All right. I told that story, so I'm not going to get deep into this, but there was a really interesting article from Broadway World's Kara Joy David, who is their industry insider. She is a an entertainment lawyer and producer and does all of these things. She breaks down the impact of the New York city musical and theatrical production tax credit, which is something that began coming out of the pandemic and Broadway and off-Broadway shows in Manhattan only, so only things uh, in Manhattan, not in any of the other boroughs, were able to get up to $3 million for Broadway shows uh, as a tax credit. There's all these other criteria and how it works, and she kind of goes through that. But she ran through a list of the shows that we already know have gotten the full $3 million back, which it's because it's basically money back. The reporting for 2023 is not completely in. So there are certainly more of them, but this is just the list of the shows that have already gotten that money back. They are A Strange Loop, Aladdin, Beetlejuice, Come From Away, American Utopia, Dear Evan Hansen, Funny Girl, Girl from the North Country, Hades Town, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Moulin Rouge, The Music Man, The Book of Mormon, The Lion King, Tina, and Wicked. Again, other shows will be a part of that. She also did mention that like K-pop received like $1.87 million and a bunch of other plays did as well. Uh, Slave Play, Lehman Trilogy, The Minutes, American Buffalo all got from one and a half to two million dollars. So it's a really interesting article to kind of see how this actually works and why it has helped bring some shows to Broadway that might not have ever had the opportunity to come. And part of it also has to do with the fact that by taking part in this program, shows are also required to participate in a diversity and arts job training program, as well as to give low or no cost tickets to low income New Yorkers. So uh, there's a lot of details about that. This is great. It does, I believe, expire in 2025. So we'll see if this, you know, if they find a way to keep this going moving forward. But I think this is a really interesting insight to how the state of New York, even though it says New York City, it's actually a state program, has really incentivized people to put money back in theaters coming out of the pandemic, which 
you know, things started opening up again, Grace, like it felt like we had a lot of shows. And I wonder how much that this tax credit actually played into people being willing to do that. Yeah, I'm curious as well, but also like this type of data is really, really helpful. Um, States like Georgia, I know, have like a lot of tax credits Mm -hmm. for their film industry. I'm wondering about the trajectory of more of this, even though we're technically not in the same place we were in 2020, but we are still in a place. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what this means for the future of things, but um, I'm glad to see that it worked to make sure that we got back on our feet again. Yeah. All right, Grace, I have two feel-good recommendations, and I want to hit the shows we saw very, very quickly. But first, we have an extended clip from the Mean Girls movie musical. It is Renee Rapp singing Meet the Plastics. Check that out. And then the last one is the first highlights from Encore's Jelly's Last Jam, which you were at. So I want to hear what your thoughts were. Should people go over to City Center over these next two weeks and check out this production? I'm going to be brave. This is, I was at the, I was invited. It was my mom's first invited dress rehearsal that she's ever been to. I was invited. Thank you again, Austin, at New York City Center. Please remember me during Titanic because Titanic's <laughs> one of my favorite musicals. I think that Jelly's Last Jam at Encores is the best production I have ever seen at Encores. It might be Ooh. my favorite. It is one of the best things I have seen. The cast is phenomenal. It's one of the shows that I have had on my list of hopefully one day I'll get to see it live. I go to their Tony Awards performance on a, like, on a monthly basis to watch That's How You Jazz, to watch Gregory Hines. And it's just, um, it's really spectacular. So to see, this is to this to me is what an encore show should be. It should be a great like rendition of a show that probably won't get done again, if ever. And then they really bring life to it. The cast honors the the original work of George C. Wolf. The tapping numbers are pretty spectacular. Billy Porter is a presence. Nicholas Christopher is perfect. Jakina is outstanding as usual. All this to say, but it's also like. It's 10 rehearsals. It's just some people coming together that are immensely talented with some designers that just, and it is just the bare stage pretty much. There's there's some scenic design there, of course. Like there's this beautiful like door, Leslie Uggams. Mm-hmm. I was speechless. People were on their feet clapping. The response from the audience was spectacular. No freaking notes. This to me is a perfect Encores production, better than any other Encores production I have ever seen that delivers on what it's supposed to be and what I think that the the whole program is designed for and honors the material in a beautiful way. That's awesome. I'm very glad. Uh, All right. So I went over to the Dr. Phillips Center to see the the touring production of Moulin Rouge, and I'm just going to say it. I I don't like Moulin Rouge, the musical. I think it's a horribly constructed and written show. The people who put this thing together do not understand what made the movie charming in the first place. They don't understand how to pick songs that work. We should not be laughing at song choices deep into the second act. If you want to play it for a joke early on, that's fine. It should not continue. It is a just a poorly constructed show, in my opinion. That being said, it remains beautiful and it remains expertly performed. The the standout for me is actually the gentleman playing Christian, whose name happens to be Christian Douglas. He is essentially like if you go to chat GBT and said, 
hey, make me somebody like Aaron Tveit who is not actually Aaron Tveit. He is who this person is. He is Christian Douglas. But my God, can he sing? He is phenomenal. Uh, I, I was really blown away, especially as he gets deep into act two. Hearing him really roar on some songs was fantastic. I continue to think, as I did on Broadway when I saw it twice, that the arrangers and the orchestrators do not do Satine any favors. None of these songs really, especially, I mean, she has one song where it's just her, I guess is firework, but everything else doesn't sit anywhere near her range. And I, I think that they have continually undermined every Satine that I have seen. I've seen a couple now and they just don't fit. Well, they, they put them in Christian's range and then it doesn't match well where it shows off Satine. So she either has to be really low or really high, but it never sits perfectly in her belt or in her mix or anywhere that seems comfortable. But if you can overlook those facts, it is a beautiful show. The dancing is fantastic. The entire cast was really, really excellent. I really enjoyed that part of it. But the show itself just ain't for me, which is too bad because I'm going back to see it on Sunday with with my uh, subscription tickets. But it is what it is. Winner of Best Musical. (laughs) Yeah, well... With zero competition, literally. And speaking of which, the next show in our season is Jagged Little Pill, which was also up during that season. So uh, I'll see that one too. Another show that I felt very, very similar with, but didn't love as much for the technical things. So great time to be out in the uh, in the region's grace. All right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can follow me on Instagram at Grace. Where can people find you? At It's Grace Aki. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Thursday. We'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. 